Welcome to the Women of Marvel. I'm Anjali Grochet. I'm Judy Stevens. And I'm Ellie Pyle. Now, I'd be putting it lightly to say that I have been impatiently awaiting the premiere of Marvel Studios, Ms. Marvel, and Kamala Khan's MCU debut. Now, the wait is over. The very first episode of Marvel Studios, Ms. Marvel, is streaming exclusively on Disney Plus right now. And it stars the incredible Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan. That's right, Ms. Marvel herself. Y'all, Ms. Marvel's part of the MCU. Like, this is dope. She's flesh and blood. She's a person. It's so exciting. And Iman is basically Kamala come to life. I mean, like, just every time she talks and acts, I'm like, oh, my God. The most perfect casting. The show is so heartfelt and... Just to like think back to like 2014 and the debut of like Miss Marvel number one and to know that we're here right now is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's definitely a I got to be in the room where it happened kind of situation where I I had no involvement whatsoever in Kamala Khan coming to life. But I was in the office with Sana Manath and Steve Wacker while they were kind of coming up with the ideas and developing this pitch and bringing Kamala into the world. So to see how she started and where she is now is so amazing. Well, and I think the thing that I love so much about Kamala is that She's all of us, right? Like, I remember reading, like, my first comics and just going, man, she's a nerd who just wants to do good things and, like, is dealing with life and what that means for being a teenage superhero. And I think that's a big part of why she resonated so much um, as the most popular new character in years is that, you know, she taps into that quality of relatability that so many of Marvel's most enduring characters have. If you know anything about Kamala Khan, like anything, she isn't just a superhero. Like she's a friend. She's a daughter. She cares about her community, like immensely cares about her community. Just putting it lightly, she's always juggling a lot. And to be honest, balancing school, family obligations, her community and being a superhero isn't an easy feat. And her community isn't just another thing to balance. It's part of who she is. She is for Jersey City what Peter Parker is for Queens or Miles Morales and Steve Rogers are for Brooklyn. She feels this strong sense of loyalty and protectiveness for her city. And let's talk about the aspect about her that I love the most, which is she's a fan. She is this true life fan of the Avengers, of Captain Marvel, of everything these superheroes stand for. And she becomes one of them. Funny thing you should say fan and fandom, Judy, because that's actually one big thing she has in common with Iman Vellani, the actor who plays Kamala in Marvel Studios' Miss Marvel. Iman is a huge Marvel fan and has been long before being cast in the series. I mean, if you've been following Iman, like you've seen her cosplay, I hear she's got some shrines to some Marvel characters that she loves. Like, it's real, right? And so our friends Christine and Rachel from Marvel.com got to have several really cool conversations with some of the women behind the series, including Iman. And just a note before we dive in, there will be some light spoilers for episode one. Nothing too big, but if you're sensitive to spoilers, here's your warning. Okay, now let's check out Christine Din's conversation with Iman now. So how is Miss Marvel series different from like 
other Marvel shows? And then how is Kamala Khan different from other MCU characters? Yeah, I think our show is quite a palate cleanser coming out of Moon Knight and, and Multiverse of Madness. It's really grounded in its characters and I think, you know, we really wanted to embrace fan culture. It's a side of the MCU we haven't really seen before. You know, what does a 16-year-old kid from Jersey City know about the Avengers and, like, the Guardians? And how does she react to these heroes? Because in her world, they're real. You know, not just for us. They're characters on a page. But, you know, she really looks up to them and admires them. And then suddenly she becomes one of them. It's just so funny and and honestly relatable because she reacts like how any of us would if we got superpowers. So I'm really excited for the fan reaction because this show is totally a love letter to the fans. And and we really want to encourage and appreciate fan culture in a really unique way. So I know we saw a clip of the Zoom when you found out that you were cast. But what was going in your head when you found out that you got the role? (laughs) That I need to not have a reaction because my best friends were watching me from their car and they didn't know I had auditions, so I was trying to keep it a secret. But uh, when Kevin Feige's face is on your phone, it's really hard to not hyperventilate. So I was just, I was freaking out. Yeah. Well, tell us about your first time meeting Kevin. Ooh, okay. My first time meeting Kevin was a little rough. They told me he was coming on Wednesday. And it's Monday, and he comes, and son, our producer's like, there's someone here to meet you. And I look up, and it's just his eyes, because he was wearing a mask, a hat, fully covered, and I was like, fully lost all brain function, all body function. I was a mannequin around him, and I could not speak or smile or breathe, and this poor man was trying to talk to me, and me being so awkward made him super awkward, and we were just awkward together, and, uh, and then they called me for my scene, and I was like a zombie walking to do the scene, and Adil, our director, was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, Kevin Feige's downstairs. And he's like, oh, let's go meet him together. So they, we go meet him, and uh, same thing happens. I was just hiding behind Adil, and Kevin keeps peering over. He's like, is this girl going to talk to me or something? Um, it was rough. And then he did come back Wednesday, and I presented him with this like four-page letter with like 72 questions that I had about him and the MCU and uh, just his normal day-to-day life, honestly. And uh, it was very sweet. And he answered the first 40 the next day over a Zoom call. So, yeah, I really respect and admire him. And um, I can speak to him now in full sentences, which is great. I love that. So I was talking to the directors from episode one and six, Alala and y'all. So they told me that you had a special guest at AvengerCon, a Tom Holland. I did, yeah. How was that? How's the moment? <laughs> that was my second time meeting him, and I was just as shocked as the first time. And he's really cool, and he was just so enamored by our set and the, the scale of everything. And he was super excited because he's also a Marvel fan. And so just seeing AvengerCon and everything kind of displayed out there was, was really cool for both of us. And, uh, yeah, I felt so cool. I'm like, yeah, my buddy Tom's here. I don't think we're like that close, but <laughs> it was it was nice of him to kind of pop by. Did he give you any advice on like what to expect in the, the whole massive crazy fandom that we have? I kind of know what to expect. I'm part of the the massive crazy fandom, so he was just kind of making himself available for me if I ever you know needed anything or had any questions. So yeah, that's awesome. And then there was a really cute moment where you know. Kamala is wearing her homemade costume and you kind of get a feeling that she feels uncomfortable. What was it like filming that and kind of, you know, like how much it conveys without actually having any dialogue? Yeah, we we really wanted to showcase insecurity of being 16 and 
how self-conscious you can be because you're constantly like living in a world of social media and comparing yourself to every single other person around you. And it could be really tough, especially when you want to like, you know, just showcase your passion. That's really what AvengerCon and cosplaying is about. But now you're like self-conscious and going through body image problems. And, and I think I totally relate to Kamala in that sense. You know, every time I have to wear a super suit, I'm like judging myself, even though I know no one else is. And yeah, it's kind of a constant struggle and, and growing pain that you have to overcome when you're in high school, especially because everything's so heightened when you're 16. Yeah. Speaking at the at the end of, you know, the VengerCon, was there anything that like stood out to you while filming it? Like either the Ant-Man head or just kind of being amongst like, you know, having your own intimate fan convention on the show? It definitely was like just, I've never been to a Comic-Con or any superhero convention. It's just It never worked out and I've had my cosplays ready. So this was just me living my childhood dream of, of being at Comic-Con and, and just being around so much Marvel merch and I stole so much from that set. I had everything shipped out in boxes. That's how much I stole. It's great. My entire closet looks like a mini AvengerCon now. But um, yeah, it was, it was super fun. And, and honestly, all the reactions you see on screen was very much just me reacting in real life. Uh, and also, you know, I, what I really love about the show is like, especially, you know, seeing a South Asian family come together, do dinner, and all this like little cultural touch points. I literally cried when I first watched the first two episodes. Like, what was it like kind of showing that and, you know, showing what, an Asian family is like, and not making a big deal, but it's just like naturally shown. Yeah, I think, you know, the comics did such an incredible job in organically incorporating diversity and, and mixing it in with Kamala's overall story. And we just wanted to stay true to all those themes and tones from the comics and bring them into live action. And it was super easy for us because the, the cast members who play the family, we just got along so easily. And Honestly, it's so important to showcase children of immigrant parents who are proud of their culture and, and don't neglect it and instead use it as something that drives them and, and something that motivates them because that's how it is for my life. You know, my it's just a part of my life and we just wanted to show, you know, her family and her religion and culture as a part of her life, not her entire personality, you know, not stereotyping her or tokenizing her, just making it one other thing in her life. And then my last thing I, I want to talk about is the scene with, Kamala and Nakia that was such like a beautiful like girl friendship moment like what was it filming like because I know that you guys are also close in real life as well all our relationships on screen is how it is in real life Yasmin and I are so close and and we we really did bond a lot while filming the show we had so many sleepovers and and just movie nights and yeah I think Yasmin's entire monologue about how she feels and her hijab just really hit close to home for Yasmin herself who is you know half white and half Arab and so it was just so lovely to be a part of that scene with her and, and I could feel how emotional she was getting filming it and I'm really excited for, for people to kind of you know fall in love with Nakia as a character because she, she definitely is my favorite. <laughs> so what is your superpower of choice like you as a mom? Telepathy. Gotta get inside Probably. Kevin's mind. He knows too much. What makes for a great day? Oh, good food. Good food. Yeah. Is it better to ask permission or ask for forgiveness? Forgiveness. Permission can be tough. Live your life and then live the consequences later. What is your must-have item on set? A blanket. I like to sleep. Me too. What is a mantra or quote that keeps you going? Uh, trust your instincts.
that works. What is your favorite MCU super suit other than Miss Marvel's? Oh, easy. Suitcase suit from Iron Man 2. So Kamala's always been a character that inspires everyone to do their best. What were some of the inspirations that, you know, you took upon yourself knowing that this character will impact a lot of young minds? I just wanted to channel everything that I experienced when I was in high school. You know, I got cast when I was 17, the character 16. So it's really easy for me to kind of just bring in everything that I just learned and, and went through and all the growing pains of high school and into Kamala. And I think we've done a really good job in balancing, you know, the action with the coming of age and the religion and the fan culture of it all. So, yeah. How did it feel to put on the suit the first time? I felt really cool. And then immediately I had to pee and I needed help. So. Is that for your homemade costume or your final episode costume? Final episode costume. <laughs> Describe the show in three words. Charming, heartwarming, fandom. What is your favorite Pakistani food? Ooh, I think Nihari. What other hero would you be instantly best friends with? America Chavez, Kate Bishop, Groot. Loving that. Who was the funniest on set? It varies from time to time. Okay, like Matt is super funny, but he doesn't even know it. He's just like, just him as a human being is like, ha, you're funny. Sagar is like intentionally funny. Like he's actually a comedian. He's fun. Yasmin and I, we are funny together. Like we think we're so funny, but we're really not. So it's subjective. I loved your uh, Vimeo video of all of you guys behind the scenes. Ah, thank you. Thank you. So can you tell us the biggest fangirl moment you've had since joining the MCU? Meeting Kevin Feige when my favorite YouTuber started doing a Miss Marvel trailer breakdown and AvengerCon. That entire week, I was just like, it was a fever dream of Avengers. It was amazing. If you were going to AvengerCon, what would you dress up as? I have my Miss Marvel cosplay ready, but aside from Miss Marvel, my other cosplay that I have is like Tony Stark's black tank top look. You know, black tank top, arc reactor, and draw goatee. Yeah. What is the best advice you've gotten? Trust your instincts. Period. Yeah, trust your instincts. Who has your back in a dark alley, Bruno or Muniba? Bruno. I mean, Muniba definitely does too. She's my mom, obviously. But but I don't know. I feel like Bruno would be smarter with it. What is the best thing about being a woman of Marvel? The support from other women of Marvel, they just get it, you know? The super suits aren't comfortable, so we're just, like, bonding over, you know, having shoulder pain together. It's wonderful. Which adventure would you road trip with, and which one would you kick out of the car at the first red light? Ooh, that's hard. Eee, okay, this is difficult. Dead or alive? Yeah. Okay, Tony Stark, obviously. Kick out of the car. I don't think I hate anyone enough. Who talks a lot? Ant-Man talks a lot. Maybe him. What was your favorite Miss Marvel fan moment thus far? I mean, AvengerCon. That whole week was just, like, in between takes, Matt and I would just, like, go around the entire set looking for all the little Easter eggs, and people would be looking for us because we would have to film the scenes, but we were so just enamored by the sheer scale and the set design. It was beautiful, and it was so much fun. What is the best thing about your best friend? Okay, Kamala's two best friends, Bruno and Nakia. Nakia is... The best person to go to for advice. She's funny and she's she can keep it really lighthearted, but she can also get really real. And I appreciate that. And she can be really candid. Bruno, he's your guy in the chair. We all need a guy in the chair. He's he's my Ned. And uh, I really appreciate having a Bruno around. Yeah. 
when was the first time like you in your life felt like Kamala? All the time. <laughs> I think we're pretty much the same person except my Carol Danvers is Tony Stark. <laughs> and then the universe sending you messages or dealing with enough of its own stuff to worry about you. I do think the universe is kind of sending me messages. I normally don't even believe in, like, fate or manifestation or anything until this part happened. Like, it was too perfect. From me reading the Miss Marvel comics to me dressing up as her, I once passed by the Russo brothers in Toronto. That was a sign. Everything just happened so perfectly that I think the universe is telling me something. Well, I love you, and I can't wait for the whole entire world to see the amazingness that's you. Thank you so much. Iman is not only amazing, but she's leading the way for Marvel's next generation of heroes. And I really actually kind of love that we had two of the MCU's next-gen trailblazers on the show this season. Both Iman and Sochi Gomez, who plays America Chavez in Marvel Studios, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness. Now, speaking of trailblazers, one of our other amazing Marvel.com editors... Rachel Page, got a chance to talk to someone very special and close to the podcast heart, Sana Amanath. Sana not only co-created the Women of Marvel podcast, but she also co-created the character of Ms. Marvel and is an executive producer on Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel. Hello, Sana. How are you? Good. How are you? My, my fam. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I would love to start off by talking about Iman because she is so perfect in this role. Like I've never seen someone just embody a character so perfectly. Yeah. After she was cast, did the character evolve at all once you knew she was involved? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously, like, I feel like Iman is Kamala. Kamala is Iman. Like there's, it's just so interchangeable at this point, but definitely, I mean, I think Iman brought her own spin to it, of course, because she's her own person and she has a lot of like, these crazy quirks that she does with her face, which actually Kamala does in the comics too. So there's a couple of moments that are quite similar from the comics, but she just brings a lot of her like entire body into the performance, which is so fun. And also she has a little bit of edge to her and a touch of swagger to her, which, you know, I don't think Kamala in the comics really had. And we leaned into that a bit where you saw that Iman brought sort of this very modern Gen Z vibe to the character. And, you know, I think that's really what we tried to lean into. And we had some incredible writers that helped kind of round out her voice. I'm going to give a shout out to Sophie Miller. Gave a great job in helping to round out Kamala's voice and make her sound like Iman, actually. So it's been it's been awesome seeing that transformation. And I've heard stories that at one point there were too many Iron Man references in the show. (laughs) Who said that, Iman? (laughs) I've heard that in interviews that Iman has said that she got notes that there were too many Iron Man references. (laughs) So I'm wondering if that's true. (laughs) Iman sharing the dirty laundry. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, a little bit that was true because I think Iron Man is like the most recognizable character now at this point in the MCU. So it was a go-to, I think, for the writers and even for Iman because Iman's such a huge fan. So she's sensitive to it, by the way, because she's such a huge fan of Iron Man. So any references, it's like, uh. And I think also, I think for Kevin, he's like, okay, we get it, but there's so many other characters out there. Let's like explore some of the other characters in the world. So, but yeah, no, it's that's pretty funny that, that she's, there's too many Iron Man. That might be true. That might be true. But, you know, 
I've already talked to some of the other cast and they said she was quizzing them on their own MCU knowledge. And like you coming from Marvel, was she quizzing you? She was actually more asking me about the secrets, the way things are made, you know, and she was like asking me about things also that I probably didn't know the answer to. So for sure, I think her knowledge of the Marvel Universe is like much better than mine. Like I genuinely am like, okay, go for it. Like she just knows she reads everything and she's such a huge fan and yeah. She's the ultimate fan. She belongs in the Marvel Universe. Right now, speaking of the ultimate fan, I'd love to talk about AvengerCon and how that came together. Just like, how do you pitch we want to do a convention in-world that's celebrating the Avengers? Yeah, I mean, the writers actually always wanted to do AvengerCon. I think it was such a great idea that came out of the room, and it's still so, even though it's not in the comics, it's so inherent to what the comics are all about in terms of this irreverent sense of fandom and just kind of absolutely going all in for it. And AdventureCon was obviously mimicked off of comics conventions for sure. And that was an idea Kevin liked immediately. He's like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, she's a fan. AdventureCon could be a real thing. Let's put it at Camp Lehigh, which is really like the home base where Captain America effectively was born, which is so cool. And it's in New Jersey. Oh my God, perfect. So it all kind of made sense. And then when we were putting it together for live action for the screen, it was so, so, so fun. Because for me, you know, I'm a Marvel person. I've been there for such a long time. I grew up in these conventions. So that was something where I'm like, okay, I got this. Like, this I can do. Like, I know what a comics convention is all about. So this was a lot more, I mean, I will say a lot more heightened than a regular comics convention because it's kind of all over the place and bright and wild. And we leaned into it hard. And our production designer, Chris Glass, and his entire team just had so much fun putting it together. And there's so many Easter eggs and crazy things. And I think when they do any behind the scenes or any other coverage of AvengerCon, we have so much footage we didn't get to put into the show. So I really hope if it's out there, you guys should go check it out because it's so fun. There's so much cool stuff in that convention. I wish I wish we do a real AvengerCon. I really hope we do. I have one very specific question about AvengerCon that I'm hoping you can answer. Why is Groot called Mr. Tree? Like, I have my own theories, but I figured I would ask you. Because nobody knows that Groot's name is Groot. They know some names. I think that was the fun that we played with with AvengerCon was like, yeah, people might know some things, but they don't know all the things. They don't know every single name. They don't know everyone's actual code name or their real name because it's the ground's eye view of the Marvel Universe. These are just regular civilians putting this convention together. So they just think that this guy's... Mr. Tree, that sounds like a name. Okay, he's Mr. Tree. And so we kind of made it up and it was just a fun thing to do. Right, that's what I was assuming, but like I wanted to double check. And now there's so many moments in the series that I can only describe as like teenage girl moments. The one I'm thinking of specifically is Kamala standing in her homemade costume in front of her mirror and just like you see her expression change as she just doesn't feel confident. Can you talk about creating some of these moments in the series that go hand in hand with like, her becoming a superhero and getting these powers while also becoming a teenager. Yeah, I mean, I think that was, I mean, that mirror moment I think is so, it sort of says everything about the first run of Willow's and Adrian's run. It is about sort of her being a little bit insecure in her own body and what happens when her body effectively transforms and gets these powers and she has to figure out what to do with it. And, you know, I guess it is very much, it's not even just a young woman's experience, but like being a young woman of color, you feel invisible in the world and you feel like you don't know, not necessarily just like what your place is, but how to show your voice and and allow it to shine and allow it to be, your voice and your body together is, it can be an uncomfortable thing for a woman. And 
that really was what that moment was. And when Kamala gets powers and she's even more amplified, what kind of image does she want to project to the world? That's kind of the journey of the show. The same way the comic was, it's the same journey in the show. It's like, what kind of image does she want to project when she gets everything that she ever wanted? That's, I think, so important when we're trying to tell stories about young women and young people of color. And now it's not just a story about Kamala and her powers, but it's also a story about like three generations of women coming together and realizing that like, oh, we're more alike than we think. Can you talk about how we have Kamala and Niba and Nani and how they all just like come to a deeper understanding of each other by the end? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the heartbeat of the show is kind of this intergenerational connection and sort of, God, I'm really excited to talk about the show when it's like done and really delve into like what makes it very unique and special. But it is about the women and your connections. And I think often, you know, the thing I'm most proud of in this show is like, we haven't really told a story about brown women and Muslim brown women, you know, that's really powerful and that the focus is on them and their connection and the concept of power, the concept of identity and what these women have been through and how that affects not only their own dynamics, but affects their relationship with themselves and what they want to put out into the world and how ultimately affects Kamala. And this idea, and this is something Willow always talked about, just sort of this idea of epigenetics and how, like, your past and your history do influence who you are. And that's really what I think the show is about, is about ultimately what happened to be able to affect this family and ultimately affect Kamala. When all is said and done with Ms. Marvel, what do you hope viewers take away from it as a whole with this first season? You know, I just hope that people will, one, obviously accept Kamala into the MCU as like a real hero is sort of one that can stand side by side with the Avengers even if she's like making little like sly jokes along the way and being super awkward but I think you know it's a big task asking people who are such big fans of Marvel who know the world to accept a brand new character which we did it eight years ago when the character first came out and now we're doing it again in a much bigger way actually so we know that it's you know people are gonna be like what is this what's gonna happen but I think Once they're along for the ride, they're really going to fall in love with the family and just have fun and feel a sense of joy and excitement and feel like they're going to want to go back to wherever, their homes, their families, and feel like they can celebrate their own communities and their own spaces in a bright and big way. That's really what I hope people take away from it. Right, like I think the show as a whole is so uplifting and you can tell everyone else at Marvel, this is my favorite show. Nothing else will ever compare to it. It's perfect. I have laughed. I have cried every single episode. I love it. That's so amazing. Oh, that's great. I love hearing my focus groups of one every time I hear someone who's watched the whole season. I'm like, great, focus group of one. We got we got another one. We got, you know, so racking them up. Right, it's me. I hope there are 500 more seasons. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for this. Awesome. So great to meet you. Yes, it was wonderful to meet you too. I love Sunna, and I gotta say, I have actually known Sunna longer than I've worked at Marvel, and I fangirled over Sunna the first time I met her. I remember when she first got hired in like 2008, 2009, and then to have been able to work with her for so many years and now see how amazing, I mean, she was always amazing, let's be honest, but just like the fact that she's the executive producer on the show and she's living this epic life, and I'm just so happy for her, and... I don't know. I just want to give her a big hug through the screen when I see her next. Yeah, she was actually a really great 
mentor as well, even when we were still, I started as an assistant and she was still an associate at that time, though she became an editor shortly after that. And we were in the same office and I actually worked directly with her for about a year. And she was an incredible mentor in terms of just like looking out for people and making sure that they learned things about the comics process and had that level of involvement from which, you know, you can learn so much if you are working with people who take that kind of an interest in you early in your career. Yeah. And I will say, like, none of us would be here right now if it wasn't for Sana, right? Like, Adrian Cohen and I separately had the idea for the podcast while Janine Schaefer and Sana had it, and we came together. And I don't think if it hadn't been for Sana going to Ryan Panagos and John Sorelli all those years ago, we wouldn't be here, you know? And to continue on from the panels to the podcast to what she's doing now, like, and just she stood for so many people to be where we are today. And there are so many words I could say about Sana. So as we all mentioned, we've had a really long relationship with Sana and having her on the show is literally a treat for all of us because she is our colleague, our friend. She at any point in time has been a mentor, but she's truly, truly such a trailblazer. Now, The theme of this season has really been talking about characters and evolution and how characters evolved. And as we mentioned, Sana co-created the character of Kamala Khan almost a decade ago alongside writer G. Willow Wilson, artist Adrian Alfona, and editor Steve Wacker. But the character has grown and evolved since then with a number of creators adding to her development. This new iteration of Kamala developed for Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel was spearheaded by the show's head writer and executive producer, Bisha K. Eilie. Christine from Marvel.com actually got a chance to chat with Bisha, too. Here's that conversation now. Hi, Christine. It's so lovely to meet you. Great meeting you as well. So I wanted to talk about, you know, what has been really significant, you know, for me was all of the family moments and kind of like portraying, you know, what it's like being like a child of immigrants and trying to balance the whole identity. but it's not fixating on it. It's just like who they naturally are. Like, what was it like kind of infusing that into the story? Um, I think it felt foundationally important and fundamental to the show. And also the thing is that because it's authentic voices telling the story that includes me, the writers, Sana and the directors, it's a very natural way of telling it because it is just a part of our lives. So why wouldn't it just be a part of the lives of the characters? And I think that's, was actually the easy part <laughs> in terms of writing it in that way, where it's just part of who you are. And well, it's part of my life. It's part of my family's life. It's part of, and that applies to, I think, so many of the creators and collaborators that were working on this project. So yes, I'm really proud that that's how that's come across and that that's how people are reacting to that element. And the parts that we go into in later episodes, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. And I'm so proud that we get to tell this story that felt so personally important to me that felt new and different to see on screen and that felt like it wasn't about me being racialized versus the world. It felt about like me and my journey with myself and my own people and my own background, my own history and my own legacy and my own parents. And that was really important to me that we weren't telling it just about her versus people that um, are not from the same background. It was really about this internal journey into self. What was like, like kind of, you know, building New Jersey as a character of its own because that flavor of the whole series, like you just get like the vibe of New Jersey. Oh yeah, it was such a joy. We had writers from New Jersey who had spent time in New Jersey and who were from there. We have Aisha Buri was in the writers' room and she was one of the staff writers and she's 
She had just graduated. She was her first job out of college. And I was like, I have to have you in this room. Incredible writer. And she, Pakistani-American from Jersey City. And she was kind of like our mascot in the writing room in some ways. And so it was really important to get a sense of what that city was. I became obsessed. I don't know if you know much about Jersey City. So I became very obsessed with Jersey City, understanding it and understanding people and really being curious about what life is like for a contemporary teenager in that space. And obviously, of course, we had Sana Manan, who was a huge resource. And the original character in the comics is so born of her experience. So having access to her as well to really Jersey City it up was really helpful too. So I also want to talk about AdventureCon because the directors told me that you had a surprise guest, Tom Holland. I think what's so exciting is seeing how the existing cast in the MCU have really taken her under their wing and kind of the joy around this show, both from existing cast and also from just the wider Marvel team. I don't know. There's something that feels so much joy and like a deep well of emotion around it. So it's it's really nice. Yeah. And the last question I had is, what was it like, you know, building out all of the playlists of the music and also the graffiti because it's so like textural. Like you can feel the show just being alive with all your choices. Oh, absolutely. It was, oh my gosh. Firstly, not just my choices, the real collaboration between everybody. It has to be, I must say that as much as possible, that it was so many people gave so much of themselves to this show. Um, in terms of the textural and the world coming alive and the graffiti and those things, a lot of it was kind of based off the back of the fact that the comics are so textural. Every single um, frame of the comics has got so much layer in the background. You've got like in-jokes in the background and you've got like Easter eggs everywhere. And I was like, that, we've got to bring that to life. And um Everybody was really keen to bring that to life. That wasn't like a Bisha original idea. That was everybody. Um, so bringing that to life was loads of different collaborators, brilliant artists that we brought in to work on it. Just, oh, it's so beautiful. That end credit sequence, oh my goodness. So stunning. And then the music choices, Sana and me were like on a thread, just like throwing music back and forth at each other. She went deep dive. I went deep dive in another direction. We kind of met somewhere in the middle. The directors as well, everyone just wanted this show to have a really unique identity to the whole show. And I really think we accomplished that both in like the energized moments and the really intimate moments with this incredible soundtrack that everybody put together. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I can't wait for the whole world to see this. Oh, thank you so much, Christine. What a joy speaking to you. And thank you for your kind words <laughs> about the show. Of course. <laughs> Bye. The very first episode of Marvel Studios Miss Marvel is streaming exclusively on Disney Plus right now. So, like, if you have not watched it, go watch it. And if you have watched it, go watch it again because it's just that good. And new episodes of the series drop on Wednesdays. So make sure you don't miss it. And let us know what you love about Ms. Marvel and her new series. You can tweet using the hashtag Women of Marvel or just tag us at Angelique Roche, OMG, DJ Judy, and Ellie Pyle. Make sure you guys are sending us cosplay. We can't wait to see all of your Miss Marvel cosplays. <sighs> Send them. I'm going to like them. I'm going to retweet them. I'm so ready. I love Miss Marvel cosplay. Good stuff. It is good stuff. I can't wait for con season to really kick it up. Okay, and now it's time to meet another woman of Marvel for our staff spotlight segment, Jamie Hansen. My name is Jamie Hansen, and I am an Associate Manager of Performance Marketing here at Marvel. Before I worked at Marvel, I was working on the Disney Plus team on international marketing. When I was working at Disney Plus, I have a great community of women through Women at Disney New York, 
and a woman who currently works at Marvel recommended me for a role, thought that I might be a good fit. And I interviewed with the team, loved my experience, and decided to, to make the jump over. Still in the Disney family, but now a superhero instead of a princess. Women at Disney is an internal employee resource group that helps connect women from all different segments, all different levels with mentorship opportunities, events, and networking, which is a really wonderful resource within the company. Working in performance marketing means that I manage all of the marketing campaigns for Marvel Unlimited, including when new Infinity Comics are released or when print comics are available digitally on the app to our subscribers. My favorite Marvel characters are Iron Man, of course, and Scarlet Witch. And I love Scarlet Witch because she has unlimited power, is fiercely loyal, loves her family, and underneath all of it has a really good heart. I remember I became a Marvel fan after seeing Iron Man in theaters and I was in middle school and I had never seen really a superhero movie before and I remember instantly falling in love with how funny he was, with how relatable he was, with how imperfect he was similar to Scarlet Witch, while having good motivations and trying to help people. And since then I have been hooked on MCU movies and I'm very excited to be able to now work with the source material and understand the comics even better. I'd love your listeners to know that if you're interested in a career that is typically male dominated, that is certainly not the case. I transitioned from Disney Plus, which was a tech company, mostly male, employees at transitioning into Marvel, comic books are also typically a male pastime. And I have found such incredible community in both of those places through other women who are just as dedicated and interested and excited about the storytelling as I am. And speaking of amazing women at Marvel, You've heard her voice throughout the episode. We want to send a huge thank you and send off to one of our own, Christine Din, who is an editor for Marvel.com. But she is one of the essential people behind the scenes making sure this podcast keeps running smoothly. She's been here for so many years. She does a lot of the articles for Marvel.com. She's done interviews for us. She's epic and amazing. We love her so much and we wish her the best of luck. All right, Ellie, you're up next week for our hmm, last episode of the season. Who are we meeting? Next week is all about Kitty Pride, from the X-Men to Marauders, where she is now Kate Pride. All of the exciting adventures in between. Our beloved Kitty appears in so many of our favorite stories. We had to give her an episode this season. But until then, Woman of Marvel is produced by Isabel Robertson, Cara McKirk Allison, Ellie Pyle, me, Judy Stevens, and Angelique Rocher. Our senior manager of audio development is Brad Barton. Our production manager is Larissa Rosen, and our executive producer is Jill DeBoff. Listen weekly on SiriusXM and on Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next week. This is Marvel, your universe.